Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the Antler Up Report. This is the place where you will hear from hunters discussing real-time, in-the-moment tactics and stories. Tune in, enjoy, and antler up. What's up, everybody? We're back for another Antler Up Report. And I appreciate you all taking the time to, to download and listen. I had some pretty good feedback from uh, the one from two weeks ago with Chris Weiss, who you will hear uh, coming up probably either next week on Wednesday's podcast or uh, the week after. But I'm joined by a good friend of mine. And, man, we're going to be going out to Ohio here soon. And I have on the other side on the telephone, I got Tim Seesaw. Tim, what's happening, brother? Not too much, Jeremy. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It'd be good to catch up. I know, man. It's been a while. I know it's been a, been a while. You were you were uh, MIA there for a little bit because you're out there killing mule deer like you usually do in Idaho. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. <laughs> Idaho has been so good to me. So, so you have what two two mule deer and an elk out of Idaho? Three, 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 three and one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dang, dude. Yeah. And I've been there four times. Yeah, I've been blessed. When was the first year you went out there? Uh, 17. So I went 17, 18, and 19. And then I took a break trying to go elsewhere and never drew tags. So, and that's what happened this year, too. So it was kind of a, a fallback to pick up a leftover that got returned. Okay. So I figured I'd just go back to the same area that I've been. <laughs> what was your what was the, the flying experience like for you? Because wasn't that the first time you've done that? So that was the first time I flew both ways. Okay. And uh, it actually wasn't that bad. Um, so I've flown out and driven back before, but this was the first time I was I was I was uh, flying both ways. Okay. So I mean, checking the firearm isn't too big of a deal. Um, TSA just has to inspect the uh, inspect the baggage, the gun case, mm-hmm. and then um, coming back with the meat. Um, I was talking with Tom cause I didn't know what I was going to do, um, whether I was going to ship it back or carry it on. So I ended up, um, staying at a, in a small town and they had a freezer right there. So the guy ended up letting me use the freezer so I could freeze the meat and then ended up just carrying it on on the way back. And I expected TSA to pull my bag and at least check to see if it was frozen. <laughs> and I went through the screening and I was sitting there waiting for my bag and I could see the, uh, the TSA screen. And my back comes through and it's just like lights up red. So I'm like, oh boy, I'm, you know, it's going to get looked at and I'm hoping that everything is froze solid and nothing's going to get revoked. And, uh, and it just came right through. <laughs> so they didn't even look at it or anything. So I basically just carried on, you know, whatever it was, 40, 50 pounds of, of, uh, frozen meat that I just took care of myself while I was out there. And, nice. uh, that was it. It was pretty simple. 
Nice. That's good. Well, we, I, I told you beforehand, well, I do want to save, <clears throat> excuse me, that conversation for an actual in-person one when me, you and Tom and, or anybody else, when we're together here this upcoming season, which that got brought up from Jim when I was talking to him today on my drive home. And he you know, we were looking at the weather for this weekend and originally I was super stoked. Like obviously this cold front's rolling in and I think of course, go figure Sunday's going to be, I think absolutely fantastic. So anybody going out scouting around, you're going to probably wish you had a bow in your hand because just with after the, the rain then in some areas like here in, in central PA, it looks like the rain will end about two o'clock, but back in Northeast PA where you're from Tim and where I was originally planning to hunt it looks like now it's an all day or with letting up possibly around like seven o'clock, which man, that's so tough for me to drive all that way to possibly, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I don't mind hunting in the rain, but it, if it's going to end here at two o'clock, I, I, I could save some brownie points and, and hunt locally, which is another reason why I did all that scouting in the off season here locally. You know what I mean? But you know, on a, on a, looking at it we're going back to what jim was saying he's like dude it's so hot during the week this weekend looks like a wash because he he hunted uh the previous uh two saturdays ago with the whole open in 5c area and he got drenched and miserable and so he's like if there's another day where it looks like crap or something it's like me you tim and tom are getting together and we're just going to go somewhere like up north and go for a hunt so i was like dude I'm a hundred percent. You guys would be down for that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. These, these, uh, early October cold fronts have been really good to me. And, uh, I, I really enjoy hunting them as soon as I, this one was actually going to hit earlier than what is typical. Yep. You know, usually around that, like 15 to 19, we typically get one. And that's usually, I think six out of the last <laughs> eight years I've been successful through that week. Yep. It's always that, that inline, um, muzzleloader week with for for doe that I've already that I don't know what it is that that first cold front just gets the deer moving in transition areas during daylight hours and it's really worked out. Yeah, no, I was busting your chops still. What was it like last week when we talked on the phone? I was like, yeah. So what's your game plan? So you know, they, I guess the for everybody else to hear, Tim. You know, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you for for this PA season? <laughs> Um, it's probably always a 10, but I, and you know, we, we have our group chat, but this year, man, I have just some unbelievable deer that are on camera. So the, the excitement level is much higher than, than probably usual. Um, I do have, I really changed last year. I spread myself too thin. I had, I was trying to cover a lot of ground in, in new areas and, um, I don't want to say it hurt me because I definitely had my chance at a lot of good deer. But this year the approach was just take two or three big areas. And I settled on three big areas and, and find the best couple hundred acres in those areas and then focus on that. So, and I guess from, I didn't get cameras out probably until late June, early July. Mm-hmm. But the results of those, of just pinning in on those areas um, have been really good. And then, actually have three cell cams which i've never used before this is my first time using them so the only my approach to that was just get them into areas where i knew that the deer were going to transition to um, and that's just based on a little bit of historic knowledge 
So my cell cams are doing jack crap like the first two, three months, but now they're uh, now they're starting to heat up because now there's bucks moving into these areas that I yep. I kind of anticipated that they were going to. Now those those cell camera locations, Tim, are they in a spot that it might be a little bit more difficult for you to get to, and that's why you chose to put the cell camera there compared to a regular SD camera? Um, so yes and no. Um, it is kind of a pain to to go to where they are. Um, I, it, my whole approach was I don't I don't want to go in those areas unless I have a bow in my hand, and then I'm not going to go in those areas until the weather conditions are right. So that whole approach was if I can get these cameras in those areas early, I never have to go back in there. Right. So it's not like it's one of these SD cards. So the plan was basically set up standard cameras, locate good deer. And I, I do that either by glassing um, some public areas or even some private areas that are next to public. And then, you know, figuring out where to get those cameras in there just to pick up an idea of what these deer look like is, is it something I'm, I want to chase? And then after I've located I don't know, probably eight to 10 real good deer, like <laughs> 130 inches and over, it was, let's figure out where I want to put a cell cam, you know, and this was back in August. Yeah. So I can get that cell cam in an area and then never have to go back in there. Right. And that's really the advantage <laughs> of them. Like I said, I haven't used them and I only have them set to give me pictures once a day. It's not like I'm, the, the possibility to, I guess, um, tarnish yeah. the, you know, the use of them by, uh, you know, here's a picture. Let me run in and try and shoot this deer kind of thing. Right. right. I, I don't have it set up for that capability. I just, my whole plan was just get them in an area where I know like, you know, the pressure is going to put these deer into and I can somewhat keep tabs on at least some of the areas and the, the, um, approaches that these deer are using into the areas that I have them set up in. Right. Dude, I still, I mean, I understand where we hunt as far as the type of terrain features and all that type of stuff, man, it almost be really, really tough. I don't want to say impossible cause I don't think anything's impossible, but for man, if someone's cell camera goes off, probably where your camera is, and I don't even know where your camera is. I'm just throwing it out there knowing you and, and your style and everything like that. Dude, you could get one right now to ding. There ain't no way in hell you're getting there in time to go up there and possibly kill that buck. No. And and the other thing is it's all access, too. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want, and, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I've ever killed a buck over an area where I have a camera. Right. I've killed buck that are on camera, but, but the, like I have one camera at a Creek crossing. I'm not going to hunt that Creek crossing because you just can't. Right. Like the, the canopy is just too intense that you're not going to be able to, um, you know, physically hunt it. Um, so, but uh, you know, a hundred, 200, 300 yards from there, there's areas that funnel into that Creek crossing. So, you know, based on the terrain features. So that's where I'm going to end up being. Right. So just cause the deer's on the camera doesn't mean he's going to be two or 300 yards away where I plan to set up either. So, right. Right. Um, access has always been super important and I really shot myself in the foot in a new area last year. So I'm actually really looking forward. That's where I kind of kicked myself for not shooting the one buck. I think it was October 19th that had, uh, one good antler and one, uh, 
not so good antler. He had like a spike or uh, a little split on one side, and he had like seven or eight points after I finally got him on camera after I passed on him um, at last light. So that area, I really screwed up on my own um, just with the way that I was accessing it because of the way that the de- I learned how the deer were using it. So right. I'm really excited. to. It's a little bit farther of a ride on, on the bike um, to come in from the west. Um, but you know, it, I think it's going to do a lot better than it was for me coming from the South. Right. Right. So you're, you're just talking about like access and, and pressure and all that stuff. You know, here, here's a, a topic of, of debate. I like not necessarily debate, but just something that I always in years past would think about just because of having a family and just having another full-time job to do and just, you know, priorities, I guess you could say. When you look at like how I said earlier for Sunday, I guarantee you it's going to be so nice. Like it's going to be perfect that cold front. It's after the the storm and obviously we can't hunt, but you know, there's going to be guys out there going out scouting a little bit, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's important and I've grown leaps and bounds over the last, you know, year and a half by being able to, to do that more. But do you think for some, it's like more harm than good for certain people, like going in there and, and putting more extra pressure on the deer than, you know what I mean? Like, what's your take on that? I guess my approach has always been that if it's an area that I, I've hunted before and I understand somewhat, then there's no real reason for me right. to go in there. Um, but if it's a new area that, you know, maybe I haven't hunted or I kind of want to see what kind of signs in there, you know, it was last year was my first time I've ever done it. Um, but I was extremely disciplined that if I'm not going to find the sign or, or find what makes me happy, then I'm not even getting in the tree mm-hmm. where in the past I have always been get in there, find a tree set up and then it doesn't pan out anyway. Right. So I guess part, you know, I don't know if I would do it on like a Sunday where I can't hunt, but I would definitely, if I can get out of work at two o'clock and I could spend, you know, two, two, two and a half hours scouting around that area and then, then have the option to choose like, okay, I do want to hunt this tonight or this area isn't going to be worth my time. Maybe at this moment or maybe ever, you just got to cross it off. Right. So I, I guess during the year, my, my, uh, my opinion is if, if you're just going to go in and scout, you're probably doing a little bit more harm. Again, it's, it's all, for me, it's all about the, uh, the pressure, the access and, obviously leaving scent down yeah you know. yeah well because i i because i really liked what you said earlier about like where those cameras are right like you said like you're not going in there until you have a bow in your hand like i just love that and i i you know what i mean and that, that's also a spot where you've have history with so you're you got a chance to know that area compared to like if you don't and i see that benefit like holy cow uh i just hunted you know, spot X and it was a little bit more pressure than I was really hoping for. I'm kind of out of a, I might want to check this spot out to see what it's going on. And if that falls into being like the, like a Sunday and you want to go check, like I, I see what that is. Cause maybe you don't plan to hunt it for a couple of days anyway. So you're giving, you're, you'll give it some time to rest. So I, I do see that. I, I was just kind of curious just because of, um, you know, uh, there's people that bump deer and, and heck, even when you're going into a, a spot, like you just said, two o'clock, you're getting in there, you have two hours, you might bump a deer and, but that's okay. At least, you know, maybe, you know, you can put some pieces of that puzzle together. 
Yeah, and and I think this time of year too, um, this what's considered early season, um, isn't isn't the end of the world if you bump a deer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like once these deer start getting into these transitions where they're going to start entering pre-rut and everything else, you can get away with a little bit more now. Um, like I'm not I'm not a great early season hunter in terms of like. If you look at the dates that I've killed my deer, they're like all after like the 13th. Uh-huh. So I guess in my opinion, if I bumped a buck or something, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to think twice about it right now. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. Let me get in there and let me see what's going on. But at the same time, I think there's some added benefit that if it is a day that you plan to hunt, then you get in there and you fire in the right sign, you can end up killing that deer that night. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big proponent of, you know, you know, if I split my success into a pie chart, um, those number one sits would probably be three quarters of the majority of, you know, going in, finding the sign, get, getting set up first time ever in that area and then killing a deer. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, hunting the area five, six, seven times and then eventually getting an opportunity. Right. My right. percentages personally are lower than. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll tell you what, speaking of bucks, I don't know what it is, but if it's just me or I would love to hear what, what you think or what other people think just from opening day, like, like the statewide, man, I feel like a lot of people are, are hammering down on some really good bucks already. Yeah. I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a ton, but the ones that I have seen, yeah, they're just, they're just complete giants for, yeah. for Pennsylvania. It's just, it's insane. And I think, um, you know, you can go all the way back to the antler restriction in like 2001 and everything and see how far we've come. But I think, um, overall, just the, the generation has changed that, you know, most, um, like our, our dad, our, uh, parents age, like my dad didn't care if it was a spike, it was going down like 20, 30 years ago, you know, now, um, with the amount of, good genetics that have come into the state with after the the call of the herd it it's okay to let them <laughs> let them go now you know <laughs> we have a pretty steady population and i think it's really doing good um but i can go down a rabbit hole on that topic yeah but at first glance yeah i mean there's just some monsters like i said my my cameras this year there's some real real good deer that um you know i would be more than inclined to take in any other what I would consider a big buck state if I was hunting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's, what's funny is like, I've, you know, obviously on, on social media, I've seen a, a good bit of people and e- hell even success with some does. And obviously I, my first sit in PA was, was Monday after work and I shot a doe and, and was able to get her cleaned up and everything like that and taken care of and knocked the dust off. But my dad's boss, his, his wife, um, dude, com- crushed a toad i mean just a straight up unit uh i'll send when we get off the off the phone call i'll send you a picture of it i mean just an absolute slobber knocker man like i couldn't believe it my dad was like yeah this was shot down the road from where i work i was like holy hell i mean tim this sucker is a is a toad man i can't wait to to share that with you that's awesome (laughs) yeah yeah it's an it's just it's a little bit um 
it, it makes you wonder. Like last year, I know for archery, I really, really, really held out for something that was in that 140-ish class. And, uh, you know, the, the opportunity didn't didn't uh, arise. But, um, like, that's, that's something that I'm going to hold up again this year. Yeah. Um, unless something in life changes. But, like, that is um, – that's not unrealistic at all, it's which, awesome. is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, cause you know, you think even five years ago, um, a one forty class was somewhat, I wouldn't say unrealistic, but the percentage of, of seeing a deer like that in the woods was definitely less than half than what it is just five years ago. Right. Well, and that's the other part. It's like, where are you hunting? Are there even that, like, what is your percentage of, of that caliber deer? Right. And it's low to begin with. <laughs> and a couple of years ago it was probably even lower than, than what it is right now. So having, having the, what you have on camera and possibility and just hearing that excitement, man, like that, like you said, on a scale of one to 10, I'm sure like you, you're off the charts as far as that goes. <laughs> yeah, I really am. <laughs> um, it's, and I didn't shoot a buck with the bow last year. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't, I, I actually I really enjoyed going into rifle season with a tag because I think it was the first time in at least a decade. So I was I actually really enjoyed it, but uh, I'm just I'm just happy to be strutting yeah. around the woods with a bow in my hand again. So Dude, I I love it. That's why like when I posted that picture last night, like it was hot. I didn't really get any photos. I was by myself. My father in law wasn't available, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take care of this deer real quick. I got five other tags. Hopefully, the way like last rifle season went with, with killing that, that doe, putting myself in that position. The Turkey season went really well. Hopefully the mojo, you know, the goal was to keep it things going and, and a shot opportunity presented itself, but it was a cool first day because I didn't get out Saturday. I had a family obligation. And so it was cool. Like seeing on social media, people having success either on, on a buck or a doe or whatever. And I was like chomping at the bit and man, it was so hot and I, after, after work and I was driving home and, I didn't feel all that great. And I, I was just like, ah, just, just go, you know what I mean? Like just go get knocked some dust off since you're Maryland hunt, all that type of stuff. And it was cool. It, like I had deer around me for majority of the evening. Like I bumped some going in. I was like, all right, whatever, uh, set up where I wanted to. And I didn't see what they were. There were like two or three of them. And then I would say about like 45 minutes later, this buck comes like screaming through the woods and I was like, oh, crap. And he was by himself. And he, I, I don't think he was legal. He could have been a forker or like a five or something like that. But I couldn't really see because with the foliage and everything, uh, even through my binos, he never really presented himself a, a clear-cut image of his rack. But he was trashing trees. He was sucking up acorns. He was browsing. Um, it was so funny because then when I when he walked away into this thicket and when he came back through, the reason how I knew he was back was because I watched a tree with the leaves all on just swaying back and forth because he was just <laughs> trashing the tree again. I'm like, man, he's a spunky little guy. You know, it was cool to to see that. And I saw a couple deer come through doe and. Um, one was working her way on an angle towards me and I ranged this one little, uh, stub of, of, of a tree trunk and I saw it was 32 yards and I was like, okay, I set my dial 
uh, to that, even though I know I, I would just need to split the pin difference, but I just, just, uh, since I had the time, I, I put it to that and she started working her way and she was behind this, this tree. And at that point she started feeding away from me. Then she turned and started feeding away from me and she basically made a big loop because towards last light about was like six fifty. She worked her way in front of me. So she would have been on my strong side basically and using the, uh, my mad rock, I just basically dropped myself. I don't know, dude, like eight inches or so. And I was using my, my stick on as my platform. And I just put my knee into the tree. I ranged her. She was only 27 yards at this point in time, put the pin on her, made a perfect shot. I was so happy with the shot execution. Perfect shot. She darn near like flipped over as far how hard she donkey kicked mule did whatever and ran right underneath me blood pouring ran about no more than 20 yards past my tree and just piled up man i was like all right i know where she's at just no track job no nothing like this was awesome so eventful yeah eventful night man like seeing deer and and i even said to myself when it was getting close to that time before i saw her like circle back around or whatever deer it was I was like, all right, well, you know, had a buck coming in, like putting on a show for you and, and a couple of deer. I'll take that. That that's a win. And lo and behold, we had the shot opportunity. So I was I was thrilled. And you know, it just continues to build that confidence. And I think that is critical you know, to begin a season because at least you know you're like, hey, you've already done it this year compared to be like, when is it going to happen? Right, right. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, congratulations. But that's uh that's the way you want it to happen, especially with a doe. You just want to be all calm, cool, and collective. You want to have your time. You're able to get on your strong side. Like that's the way you want to write it up for a big buck. But yeah. They never seem to do, to follow that kind of script. But uh, and you shook the rust off, right? Yeah. Probably just felt so good that you have your system down. You all your gear is dialed in, and everything worked out. So. Yep, and that that's was awesome, man. Kudos to you. Oh, thanks, dude. It means a lot because you know last year I drew back on a buck but I didn't get a chance to, to sling an arrow. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, kill my, killed that doe during rifle season and everything like that. So that was, like you said, it, that was was really important. And I and don't get me wrong, like it's going to be really good uh, eating for us. And uh, Nora loves this time of year with jerky and all that type of stuff. So, uh, yeah. and, and uh, venison burgers. But, I mean, for me on a personal level, it felt really good to get that perfect shot execution off perfect shot placement and get her down within like five seconds. Like that was huge, uh, huge, huge confidence booster to me because man, I could sit here every guest and say, man, I'm confident, man, I'm ready to rock and roll, but shit, dude, like I was, you know, I had a, I've, I've been working through and, and keeping myself as calm, cool, as collected as I can. And I was fired up, man. I was all, I was all pumped. That's great, man. Yeah, I think this year is your year to put one down there with the bow. I, I guarantee so. it. I hope so, man. I like I said, been putting in the work and figuring things out a little bit more, and you know, it's it's awesome to have such great, great friends and support group like you guys are, and uh, you know, I just it, it's really fantastic, and you know, I don't I don't deserve it, but man, I, I appreciate it more than than you guys know, but. Um, yeah, dude. So with this cold front, what what's your what's your goal goal or game plan going into this one? Because it it could be a good one, I think. Yeah, I think it is, and I think um, it'll get better as time goes on because it's it's going to be a longer cold front than a little two to three day front that we usually get. Yeah, 
And um, I guess, you know, I, I only I hunted opening evening and that was it. I'm trying, like, with the Idaho trip, um, I felt like I wasn't, like, biting at the, at the bit to, like, get out the woods. Right. So I know in the past I've, like, burned myself out by, the, you know, in the first two weeks because you're not seeing a ton of deer or whatever it is. It's hot, it's sticky. So I've really been taking it slow, but I'm really kind of just gearing up for, for the cold front. And in these areas that I'm hunting, I have a lot of a lot of bedding areas really marked out, knowing that um, with that cold front that they, we could see some bucks on their feet yeah. um, in, day, in daylight hours. And my, my plan will just be to, uh, you know, work through some of these areas by not going near the bedding areas and get um, as, as close as I feel comfortable um, in, in what I would consider a transition area. And that's where I've had all my luck is these deer getting on their feet early in the, in the evening. And then most of the time I'm killing them even like an hour and a half to two hours before dark. Right. So my plan will be to go into a couple of big areas that I know there's big deer and uh, hoping that, you know, just, pick the right area that he's um that he's gonna be laying in so here's one last thing that i do want to ask you because it, it brought up a, a a thought process for me and i want your opinion on it so i found the, the spot that hepler and jim and i scouted uh last not this past summer but last summer and i hunted it i managed uh, what i hunted it i hunted twice in the morning maybe three times and all three times I just blew shit out of there. And mm -hmm. obviously I could access it in a different spot and which, but it's not, I still think I would bump deer and in the evening sits, they were primo or like in the late morning when I would be able to get in and, and see gray light, basically it would be primo as well. There's a spot there where that double scrape was, Tim, that off to the left of it, and it's where that big buck went to when he was bumped to me basically that time. And that's where I said my dad and I scouted this past uh, late spring and everything and early June that we, I was like, man, I was just, I know I was hunting over the scrape, but if I would have hunted here, I think I would have had a little bit more success. And near, near that, there is bedding. Like it almost seemed like for every 40 yards, if wherever there was a good hemlock, there was a bed underneath it. And mm -hmm. I'm so torn on where I would want to set up because like you just said about not getting close, like too, too close. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like I've made the mistake on like busting ass into that spot where I'm like, oh my gosh, there's tons of rubs and there's a bed here. Like I should be hunting this when it's like, maybe I should have been hunting not necessarily right into that spot, but just off of it. Yeah. I, I think one thing to consider and what's helped me is, is determining their final destination. And what I mean by that is come dark, like come, you know, at, at dark, where do these deer want to be for, let's say the evening to feed or whatever it is. I mean, even, you know, you watch deer enough, deer will leave in bed through the evening, you know? Yeah. Um, but where, where do they want to be? And then that will really um, start to connect the dots of, okay, I know I don't want to go this far um, because he could possibly be a bed and within a hundred yards of there, whatever it is. And I know that they're going to want to get here by dark. 
right? Um, and then start using the terrain features to establish, um, you know, at what point is there, you know, some kind of throat or funnel or whatever it is to uh, bottleneck these deer into you. Right. Um, and sometimes that's not always possible. Like where I live now, that there's not as there's not as much terrain diversity um, in terms of elevation changes. Right. Like there is towards like back home where we grew up. Right. Right. Um, like now I'm at like the plateau. I'm like on top of like gigantic mountains. So it's been more difficult for me because like, I don't have like, Oh, there's a bench or, Oh, there's a little funnel here. Mm-hmm. It's more or less um, really trying to intercept um, closer to bedding because I don't have those features that I can be five, 600 yards away and know that, you know, no matter where they come from or where they're going to go, I know that they're going to pass through this area. Right. Um, so it makes it harder. Um, but I know my approach has always been where are they going to become dark? I mean, obviously you're having, um, deer in there in the, in the morning, right. Yeah. When you're going in you're bumping deer out of there. So that's a tough one because you know, you want to be in there in the morning. So it's almost like you still have to adjust maybe a couple hundred yards to avoid bumping deer out of that area. Cause they just want to be there before light. Yeah. And whether that's them coming back from bedding and they're just feeding back through, or, or uh, coming back from feeding and they're just feeding through or they're transitioning through back to bedding or whatever it is. But it sounds, that's the worst part is when you're trying to get in the morning and you're kicking deer out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I got to get you in to see this spot, man, because I, I, I think that one day that the three of us went out there, we were like, Oh wow. Like it ended up being really good. And I still think there's just so more to un uncover in that one location. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're in the right area, obviously, it sounds. It's just like, how do you, how do you tweak the setup a little bit to... To our advantage, you know, yeah. Yeah, and even the access, you know, mm-hmm. to get into that setup. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you can, you know, property lines, whatever it is, approaches, your, you know, your two-track that you have out there. Sometimes it's just, you got to take the risk, you know, yep. and yep. hope that something's not in there or you're just booting some dough out, which doesn't hurt if you're after a buck, you know. Yep, yep. But yeah, so that's always been my kind of approach during the the first cold front is get in near where I think they're bedding and try and figure out where their final destination for the night's going to be and try and put yourself in the best position between the two um, based on the sign that you're seeing and the, and the terrain feature. I like it. I like it, dude. That's perfect. A uh, perfect way to end that one. So amen to that. And uh, I'll tell you what, man. What we need to capitalize on this this cold front or the maybe not this specific one, but maybe another one. So that way we could plan on what we're going to do and put a lot of time into Ohio then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind an, an October um, buck tag being punched. That's yeah. for sure. I know, man. That's awesome. Uh, Tim, man, I appreciate you taking the time to talk uh, and get this uh, stuff rolling with me. And dude, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping people feel the way I feel right now. I feel bad cutting Tim off because I feel like we could keep going and, and do another episode. And that's why I'm pumped to, uh, come in, come in a weekend, hang out with you and Tom and do one in, in person because man, I'll tell you what, like if you're listening to this, uh, I've, I've hunted with Tim, traveled out West with Tim. 
Uh, obviously, he's a straight-up killer, a phenomenal hunter, but he's he's even a, a better human being, a, a great friend, and really appreciate you so much, buddy. And I just want to just say I can't wait to get that that text and that call and the photo of, of that one of those slobs that, that you get a, a chance to crack at. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. You, uh, you're a good friend of mine, and uh, I, congratulations on putting that deer down. I'm looking forward to getting together. I know, man. Me too. I appreciate it as well. Well, everybody, go follow Tim at Eastern Backcountry, right? Is that right? Yeah, man, that's yeah. it. Yeah, Eastern Backcountry. Check him out on Instagram. Um, hit him up, man. I, if, if you're looking for some tips and tricks as far as getting – plans ready for out west we've talked about it on podcasts before so go back and just search his name on there and he'll talk about it and uh this is just one of of many i'm hoping for for this upcoming year talking with tim so thanks again everybody for for tuning in for this friday good luck this weekend hopefully the rain doesn't damper too much of your hunting plans for for tomorrow for being saturday we'll see you next week and we're up Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.